The Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A few weeks ago, church, we began studying the book of Ephesians together. And today, I want to hit the pause button on that sermon series um, for a few weeks, maybe. And offer what I want to do today is offer a pastoral word of encouragement. Um, our mission statement as a church is simple. Knowing Christ through the scriptures, growing together as a family, and going into the world to make disciples of Jesus. And a pandemic will not stop us from that mission. So let me encourage you this morning. First thing I want to encourage you with is don't be anxious in this time. Do not be anxious. The text I just read from Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be anxious about anything. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love that. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Our world is reeling right now, but we don't have to. And we can be sober-minded. We can read the news. We're not burying our heads in the sand. We know the realities we're facing, but as followers of Jesus, we do not have to be afraid and we don't have to be anxious. See, it's important to note that this passage that I just read for you, um, the Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote it. Um, when he wrote this letter to the Philippians. And so, but Paul, Paul wasn't really, he wasn't facing a pandemic when he wrote this letter, but he was dealing with many of the emotions that you and I are facing today. He was facing uncertainty. He was experiencing isolation as a prisoner. We even know that he was reflecting on death, on his own death, because earlier in the letter to the Philippians, he says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But yet, in the midst of all of that, uncertainty, isolation, fear of death, he says, rejoice always, don't be anxious, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. How could Paul say this with such confidence? How could he say this? Because Paul knew the promises of God. He had experienced the peace of God, and he knew that the peace of God was available to all of us in Christ. And Paul is not alone. Christians all throughout history have endured stressful and difficult circumstances with calm and confidence because they have experienced the peace of God. I, I read an incredible article on Tuesday in The Atlantic. Um, it was an interview with Dr. Francis Collins. I don't know if you know who that is, but he is the director of, um, he's the, director of the National Institutes of Health. And if you've seen Dr. Anthony Fauci, the infectious disease specialist on the news in the last few days, well, Dr. Collins is his boss. So he's very well respected, one of the most respected doctors and scientists in the world today. Um, but he is also a committed Christian. And in the interview, um, Collins talks about mostly about coronavirus in the interview, but very, at the very end of the article, he brings in his faith. And listen to what he says. He says, I've arrived at a place where my faith has become a really strong support for dealing with life's struggles. It took me a while, I think, that sense that God is sufficient and that I don't have to be strong in every circumstance. 
One of, the, one of my great puzzles when I first became a, became a Christian is that verse where Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That was so completely upside down for me. Weakness? But now I embrace with the fullness of everything around me when I'm realizing that my strength is inadequate, whether it's coronavirus or some family crisis, that God's strength is always sufficient. And that is such a great comfort. Now, we're all stressed out and we're all fearful. And I don't mean to make light of any of our situations or any of your situations, but I doubt, I highly doubt that very many of us are experiencing the stress and the fear of the coronavirus on quite the level that Dr. Francis Collins is. I mean, he is on the very front lines of fighting this virus. And the whole country, the whole medical community is looking to him for leadership. That's stress. That's, that, is, that is something that would make many of us very anxious. But yet, Dr. Francis Collins is able to say, God's grace is sufficient. I have peace. I have calm in the midst of this raging storm. Now that is peace that surpasses understanding. The Apostle Paul had it in prison. Dr. Francis Collins is walking in that peace today as he fights the coronavirus. But how can you and I have it? How can we have peace today? One of the great promises of the gospel is that God will never leave us or forsake us. One of the great promises of Jesus is that he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In the gospel of Luke chapter 23, it tells of Jesus dying on the cross and next to him is a thief. And the thief is in excruciating pain. He knows he's about to die. And yet he looks over to Jesus, the one who is completely innocent. Yet he was literally hanging with him in his darkest moment. And he looks over to Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? Now that's a man who is marked by anxiety and fear and uncertainty. He was scared. He was facing death and the uncertainty of what came next. And he, and, and he says to Jesus, can you, will, will you? What can you do? And Jesus looks him in the eye with all the tenderness and compassion in the whole world. And he says to him, truly, I say to you, you will be with me today in paradise. Now, I want you to imagine the level of peace that probably rushed over that man in that moment. I mean, that is peace that surpasses, far surpasses our ability to comprehend it. But I'm sure that man had peace. And why did he have it? For two reasons. One, because Jesus was with him in the struggle. Jesus was right beside him, going through exactly the same thing. And the second thing is because Jesus assured him that his struggle would not have the last word over his life, that his struggle was only temporary. And see, we are all bearing some type of struggle right now. We are all bearing some kind of burden during this pandemic. There are all crosses that we bear. Job uncertainty, financial uncertainty, health uncertainty, fear for um, our grandparents or parents or people that we love, loneliness, isolation. Some of us will possibly during this time grieve the death of someone we love. And some will even be called home to be with Jesus during this time. But the hope of the gospel says that we don't need to be anxious in these days. One author wrote this week, whatever cross we find ourselves pinned to, if we turn our heads and look, we will see Christ beside us and whatever the outcome of our suffering, we can find his arms embracing us. 
See, as Christians, we follow and we worship a Savior who died our death for us and with us, which means that there is nothing we will ever face that he has not been willing to go through himself. He is with us during this pandemic. He is with us. He never, he never leaves or forsakes. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is with us, so take comfort in that, but also take comfort that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he defeated death. On the third day, he rose from his own grave, which means that the greatest enemy that we could ever face, the greatest thing we could ever fear, has already been defeated. And I've been reflecting lately on that quote from Frederick Buechner, where he says, The resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. The resurrection means that coronavirus, stock market crash, unemployment, loneliness, or even death will not be the final word over your life if you are in Christ Jesus. Our hope is in a God who resurrects that which is dead. Peace that surpasses understanding. Do not be anxious, church. Second thing I want to encourage you with this morning is use this time to pursue and reflect on what is most meaningful. Paul continues in Philippians 4, and he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, this is verse 8, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think of these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, church, for the foreseeable future, we are going to be spending an unprecedented amount of time in our apartments. For many of us, work has slowed down tremendously. And we have more time on our hands than we've probably ever had in our adult lives. And I don't want to make light of the situation with a catchy slogan, but truly, don't waste your quarantine. Don't waste this time binging on Netflix or scrolling through your phone constantly. Don't do it. There will be a great temptation in the coming weeks to numb ourselves with 24-hour news that cause panic and fear and social media, and to numb ourselves with constant entertainment. Listen, these things have our place, have their place in our lives. They keep us connected. They keep us informed. They, and I believe entertainment is a gift from God. But binging is not a gift of the Spirit. It's not a virtue. Self-control is. So don't binge trivial things. The truth is, if you spend all this time on trivial things, you will become a trivial person. And as Christians, we don't want to be trivial. We don't want to be people lacking in stub substance, but we want to be people of depth. We want to be deep people. So don't pursue trivial things. Use this time to pursue what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. Now, what should we do with the time? What should we do with the time? This should be a time for rest and examination. We live in the city that never sleeps. And we take great pride in that, right? We hustle and we work and we get things done here. And many of us are burned out and stressed out. And we New York Christians sometimes act as if the fourth commandment no longer applies to us. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The commandment to keep the Sabbath is a commandment to rest. It's a commandment to trust God to provide for your needs. It's a commandment to honor your limits and to rest in God's limitlessness. And many of us have ignored that command to rest for far too long. And through things like shelter in place and quarantines and all this sort of stuff, we're now being forced to slow down and rest. Now, 
Coronavirus is a scary thing, but this slowdown in our lives might be a gift. I encourage you to use this time to sleep. Enjoy your family. Slow down. Read that stack of books that you've been wanting to read for years now. Learn that language or that instrument that you've said you always would. Write that letter to that person. Make that phone call. See, the city that never sleeps has been put to sleep. And I believe that can be a good thing for us. I think this can be a time where we can back off, back up, and reflect on our lives. We can examine our souls. So ask yourself these questions during these days and reflect on them. What's going on in your heart right now? What do you feel? What are you afraid of? What events or relationships have been shaping who you are becoming? Do you even like who you are becoming? And how can you surrender yourself to Jesus and let him conform you into his image? What do you truly desire? Think about that in these days. Are the things you've been pursuing before all this happened really the things that you want from and for your life? Or is there something greater that your heart longs for, but you've been too busy and things have been too noisy in your life for you to hear what your heart is saying? We are being forced to slow down. And we can amuse and numb ourselves during this time, or we can redeem it by slowing down, resting, paying attention to our bodies, our hearts, and our souls. I would say this is also a time for prayer, fasting, and for scripture. And over the next few days and weeks, we're going to be rolling out as a church new and creative ways for you to engage in online growth groups, Bible studies, book clubs, prayer gatherings. But I think for many of you, this is a time for you. It's an opportunity for you to cultivate a personal prayer life. This is a time for you to take the time to study the scriptures and memorize parts of God's word. For a lot of you, you will ne- for most of us, we will never have this much time to dedicate to prayer and communion with God. So don't waste this time. Final thing I want to say in this regard is this is a time to invest in our children. Listen, you never prepared to be a homeschool mom or a homeschool dad, but yet here you are. And you find yourself in this very, very, very trying situation. You're trying to balance working from home and being stuck in a small apartment with your kids for the next several weeks. Listen, I get it. I've got three kids myself. This is not an easy time for parents. But when your kids look back on this in 20 years, when they look back on coronavirus, they are not going to think, they're not going to remember anything about the virus itself. They're not going to remember the news reports. They're not going to remember that March Madness was canceled. But what they will remember is what their parents did during this time. Parents, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity, a very difficult one, but an opportunity nonetheless to invest in the spiritual lives of your children. And that's going to look different for every family, so I can't just give blanket advice for every parent out there. But I will give this piece of advice for those of you who are a part of this church and for those of you who claim to know and follow Jesus and claim to want your children to know and follow him. One way you can redeem the time in a way that honors God is to not give up on the church during this time and to not give up on the spiritual disciplines during this time. Listen, I hope you're using the family worship guides that our kids director, Emily Mueller, put together. They're incredible. And I, but listen, I know that sitting in front of a computer and working through activity sheets on Sunday is not what you expected three weeks ago church would look like for the foreseeable future. And there's no kids ministry to drop your kids off to at. Um, it will be tempting, and it will be tempting for you to either not log on and just do something else on Sundays 
or it will be tempting for you to turn it on, but be doing some other things um, in the side, eating your breakfast, scrolling through your phone, having your kids watch their iPads or whatever. But I encourage you, and I'm, I'm convinced of this, though if you use those resources and do those activities with your kids and get in front of the computer screen and log on to online worship for the next several weeks, and as awkward as it is, if you'll sing along with our worship and if you'll pay attention to the scriptures and you'll read along when we read the, the scriptures together, when we do those sort of things, if you will be engaged, your kids will remember that. And your kids will remember that you valued God's church and you valued God's word during this time. And they'll never forget that. They will never forget that. And so this is a time where you, where you can show your kids that God's that Christ's church and God's word matter, even in times of uncertainty. When everything else is uncertain, God's word and God's church are immovable. This is the time to show your kids that you believe that. Your children will watch in these days as you prioritize your faith in uncertain times. So don't waste this time with your children. This is an incredible time to model the beauty, the value, and the importance of the church. The last thing I want to say is this. The opportunity to demonstrate the hope of the gospel has never been greater in our lifetime. Romans 12, 11 through 13 says, Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. I listened to a sermon this week by a fellow pastor here in New York, but he referenced the movie Apollo 13. And in the movie Apollo 13, you got Tom Hanks, Ed, uh, you got Tom Hanks and uh, Bill Paxton and Kevin Bacon. They're in space, moon space mission, and there's a malfunction in the spacecraft, and it's bad news, and it looks like they're going to die, and it's all, all of this is on live television. And a couple of men uh, in the NASA control room, there's a scene where they're just complaining and they're griping and they're panicking. And one of them says, this is going to be the worst disaster in NASA's history. And Ed Harris, who plays the role of Gene Kranz, turns around and he says to them, with all due respect, I think this will be our finest hour. And I've talked with many, many pastors over the last few days, and we're all scared uh, there's a temptation for us to panic. What does this mean for the church? Um, how do we do this? I mean, how do we have online services, uh, online communion? What about Easter? How do we do groups? These are all questions that pastors are facing and churches are wrestling with right now, and we're doing it very quickly. We're trying to figure all this stuff out. And it's easy for many pastors to panic, and it's easy for many people within God's church to panic. But by God's grace and by the clear calling of the Holy Spirit, I am beginning to believe in faith that this will be the church's finest hour in our generation. I believe that with all my heart. Church, we have the opportunity to demonstrate the hope of the gospel like never before in our lives. This will be our finest hour. We're already seeing it. Just earlier this week, I, was, I went to our office space and you saw the Lutheran church that's right next to our office space. There were senior adults lined up around the block and they were giving them food. And the church is already rising up. But here's what I want you to see, church. This is a time where we can love each other like never before. Jesus says in John 13, 35, that the world will know you are my, my disciples by the way you love one another. Many people in our church are vulnerable and lonely. And all of our lives have been disrupted. And we all need each other. This week, we are beginning online groups. This is the new reality we live in. 
looking at a computer screen for your community group is not ideal, but it allows us to stay connected, to pray for one another, to care for one another. So I encourage you all, whether you've ever been in a growth group with our church or not, to participate during these days because we need each other during this time. Pick up the phone, FaceTime, text, check in on each other in these days. Also, please, please, if you are able, please continue to be generous to, in, in your giving to our church. In this time, we have an opportunity just like, I mean, we have an opportunity to pull our resources together so that we can care for one another. We have a benevolence fund right now our, that our deacons oversee, um, and the purpose of that fund is to care for one another. Food, financial assistance, whatever we can do, and we want to expand that massively in the next few weeks so that we can get food and assistance to anyone in our faith family or in our community that needs it. So please continue to be generous. That's how we love one another. Listen, while we can't see each other face to face, we can care for each other during this time. But also, this is an opportunity for the church because this is a time where we can love our neighbors like never before. We've put some links in the notes section about how you can serve our city right now um, if you're healthy. Um, we're going to be trying to think of more ways in the coming days for how we can serve. But right now, we're just trying to assess what the needs are. And honestly, right now, I believe the most loving thing and best way we can serve our community is by staying at home and practicing social distancing. But there will come a time in the coming days for us to serve in tangible ways. And I, I'm asking you all to be prepared and ready for when that day comes, to serve and meet the physical needs of our neighbors. But also, I would tell you, you can be prepared today to tell your neighbors about the peace of God that surpasses understanding. We've talked a lot over the years about what it means to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with our neighbors. And maybe you've been, you just haven't had the courage this time to speak with your neighbors or your family members about this. Now's the time. Now is the time. Many of our friends and our family members and our coworkers, due to whatever is going on in their lives, have been insulated from having to ask the difficult questions of life. Economic prosperity can distract many people from the great questions of the soul. Busy social lives can protect many of us from having to ask the deep questions about the true longings of our hearts. Feelings of invincibility, people that are young, they, feelings of invincibility and control can keep, us from, can keep us from thinking about things like death and eternity. And when all these things are stripped away, economic prosperity, our social lives, our feelings of control, when those are stripped away, and they are being stripped away right now, people are going to be exposed to their vulnerability and questions of meaning and purpose. And just like during 9-11 and just like during Hurricane Sandy, when many New Yorkers turn to the church for answers, there, many people in your life will be turning to you for answers during this time. And are you ready, as the Apostle Peter encourages, to be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you? Are you ready for that? Are you prepared to speak of the peace of God that surpasses understanding? And what is the answer for the hope that is in us? I spoke of it earlier. We must be ready to tell our friends and our family members that Jesus is with them in the pain and that the great offer of the gospel is resurrection. And that means... And like I've said, death is not, we, don't have, we don't even have to fear death because of the resurrection. We know that everything that is Christ is ours. And so we will be resurrected in the day of death or in the day of Jesus' coming. Jesus offers resurrection, and that means that even the worst thing will not be the last thing. Church, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, 
contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Church, this is our time. We need to rise up and be the church that Jesus is calling us to be. And I know we will. This will be our finest hour, church. And I can't wait to walk with you through all of it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. And we thank you for the peace that surpasses understanding. Would you be with us in these days? And would you give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to serve our city in a way that shows others the glory of your son? And we ask all these things in your name. Amen.